BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to the Schmo Zone podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Fusion CBD products. Love using Fusion CBD products as my recovery tools. We sip on their CBD water during this podcast. They have their cardio CBD mix. I use their hydro drops in the coffee in the morning. It's great. I love using their CBD intense relief rub. It's great on any sore muscles. Check them out. Use the promo code SHMO. Get 20% off FusionCBDProducts.com. You will not be disappointed. This episode is also brought to you by Sheath Underwear, the most comfortable underwear in the world. The anatomical isolation pouch for the male extremities are amazing. It's breathable, separating the shaft and the balls from your body. It keeps them comfortable. <laughs> They're great. They have a great women's line too. You got to check them out. Check them out. Use the promo code SHMO. Get 20% off at sheathunderwear.com. You won't be disappointed, and you won't use another pair of underwear again. Let's start the show. Welcome back to the Schmo Zone podcast. This is episode number 49, the first episode of 2021. I'm Dave Schmolenson, aka the Schmo. My co host is Helen E. Sports. Still got to say it. Yeah, you have to say it. And in studio for our first guest of 2021 is a pioneer in this sport of MMA, the former strike force and UFC champion of the world, the one and only Misha Tate. How are you? Good. I like the intro. I was uh, wondering. I was like, I thought you were going to leave out the females line. I was like, what? There's no underwear for women in this? Like, Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought it up because Robert Patton, who is a veteran, Iraqi war veteran, he's the one who created this line. They're so comfortable. He's a huge fan of yours. Yes. Huge fan of yours. So we actually brought you... Female Perfect. underwear. They're so comfortable. I would expect nothing less. I'm just saying. I did not expect to come on this podcast and not get some underwear. You know? Happy so, holidays. Thank you. Of course. Of course. Appreciate that. Yes. I'm thank glad you you're much. here. And you're back in Las Vegas. I Thanks know. for coming on our show. Yeah, you just moved back, right? Yeah, I just moved back. So we've kind of been in like a bit of a transition since September. Moved back um, to the States uh, in September from Singapore, but kind of bouncing between Washington primarily and um, Vegas. But now officially back in Las Vegas to start 2021. Like here, the home is be house is becoming a home. Yeah, we're pretty much all moved back in now. So you're here for the long call. You are living in Singapore, and obviously mm -hmm. you have a huge prominent role with one championship, and then we have this lockdown. The world goes crazy. And yeah. what's been this year like for you, or at least the past six months? Well, definitely changed things a lot, right? Because I was traveling a ton before for pretty much every one championship show. I was in another place in Asia. Um, we had plans to want to come to the U.S. and break break the soil here, but you know, COVID really put a damper on that. So I'm back in the U.S. Um, I did not enjoy being locked down on a very tiny island with no family and like no friends and I was so engulfed in work that I didn't really invest a lot in my personal life there and so when I got locked down I was like oh my god I was like I have no friends what am I gonna do like we're I don't have like anybody and we were 15 hours ahead 14 or 15 hours depending on um, time change here and so you know people are going to sleep and I, like I didn't have anybody to talk to because like all the people you'd FaceTime back in the US right so anyways it got really lonely I had my son. I was like really I was very pregnant in the part of the lockdown. So like the gym shut, the pool shut. Like it just got really depressing and I didn't love it. I did not love it. So I wanted to come back to the States. I was like, I've had it. I had my son in June. It was back in September. And speaking of your son, Daxon, who's super cute, oh, I you. saw your Instagram post that you gave birth to him like in your bathroom. I did. Wow. Yeah. How Oops. How was that? Like, can you kind of 
Yeah, it was it was incredible. I wouldn't change it for the world. It's just uh, my daughter. I tried so I I cannot plan my birth. Obviously, whatever I plan, the opposite is going to happen. So I tried to have her. I was here in Las Vegas, the same house that we just moved back into. I like bought this beautiful like water tub and everything like that. Tried to have her at home. Three days of labor wasn't going to happen. Went to the hospital, got the epidural, had her at the hospital. Still a great birth experience, minus, you know, the three days of uh, prolonged labor. That was pretty terrible. But um, then I had her. It was great. Get pregnant with my son. We're in Singapore. I'm like, maybe I'll come back to the U.S. Maybe I'll stay in Singapore. I'm like, definitely not going to do it at home, though, because this doesn't even feel like home. We're like in a condo, you know, small bathtub. I was like, no, you know, midwives, doulas, those kind of things are not really popular over there. So I was like, definitely going to go to the hospital. He, he shows up in three hours. Three wow. hours. So I'm kind of thinking, you know, 8, 12, 20. I'm, I'm prepared for up to 24 hours. Granted, I wanted to have natural birth anyways. I didn't want to have any medication or anything like that. Any, at least intervention as possible. So anyways, three hours. Didn't make it to the hospital. Had him on the bathroom floor, essentially. Yeah. Wow. But it was incredible. So, oh, man, I could go so many places with this. So where does that pain level stack up to against anything you've ever endured inside the cage? That, the birth was not really, I wouldn't even describe it as painful. I would just describe it as intense at the worst. Yeah, at the at the like height of, height of it, it was just intense. Like pressure intense? Yeah, like pressure, Um, you know, like uh, you, you feel, you've ever had like um, like a calf cramp? Yeah. Yeah. So like contractions, for lack of better terms, kind of like that in your stomach. Okay. But um, it really wasn't so it wasn't so bad. Like I did. Okay, guys, I'm you know, I'm a pretty intense person. Usually like when I'm fighting. Right. You know what I mean? I'm like I'm intense in some ways, laid back in other ways in my life. But I'm used to intensity. So the way that I prepared for my daughter's birth was to like fight fire with fire. Like I'm just tough. I'm just going to power through it. I'm going to like you know, kick those contractions ass, you know, I was just like ready for it, like to fight it. Well, I ended up fighting my own body. I think mind is a very powerful tool. The body will follow that. So I was like combating my contractions. I wasn't going with it. I learned a lot from that birth experience. It was, um, you know, three days was really intense, really difficult to do. So I basically, I started doing, yo I don't like yoga. I did yoga my me entire, yeah, I don't do yoga. It's too Zen for me. Yeah, me too. I did yoga every day. <laughs> Every day in that pregnancy, well, at least towards the latter part when I was like, okay, I think I'm going to try a natural birth again. Yoga every day. I did hypnobirthing. I uh, meditated. I did like everything that I'm really not known for, for doing, right? But um, no, I fought fire with water and it was just, it was way better. It was so incredible. Definitely not something that women should be afraid of whatsoever. It can be an amazing experience. I would change absolutely nothing about it. It was not painful. It was just, you know, it was intense and it was beautiful, though. It was an amazing, amazing experience. I had clarity. I felt really good. And I remember like so once I got to the point that I feel like I was dilated, my body just naturally started to push. And at that point, I would say my my quote unquote pain level went probably down to a one. Wow. Not kidding. Wow. Like, yeah, like the actual like birthing my son was not painful at all. And the uh, part to the dilation, you know, towards the end when the contractions start to come kind of right on top of each other, you know, it was intense. So I definitely had to breathe through it. But no, it was just I don't know. It was incredible. It was magical. My sister, she has a eight year old, which we just saw last week. And she was yeah. trying to describe to me like it also kind of feels like you need a poop. Yeah, basically, you feel like a lot of pressure because when the head comes down in the canal, right, everything is like so maxim maxed out with pressure. Yeah. So, yeah, it kind of feels like that, I suppose. Yeah. Sorry, but, David. Well, I, all <laughs> yeah. I can say is I'm just happy I'm a male and I don't have to deal with that type of stuff. But uh, <laughs> that is a intense. very typical male response. But <laughs> I think you're missing out. Personally, I feel like you don't get to experience it. <laughs> we get to like it's our burden, but also our blessing. Like you will never understand what it feels like to have life in your belly and how amazing it is to birth that child and hold that baby and nurse that baby. It's just incredible. Like women are blessed. I think you're the, a great the mom. Close, the closest thing we have is probably kidney stones. <laughs> In terms of that pain. <laughs> yeah, probably. I've heard it's comparable to that, but I really think it's all state of mind, honestly, because my my daughter, the three days, it broke me. I'm not going to lie. Like not many things can break me. It broke me. I cried. I was so frustrated. I didn't think I was gonna be able to do it. I mean, two and a half days of just the labor I threw up. I was um, not able to drink. I couldn't like keep anything down. I was exhausted. And um, yeah, it, it really broke me. And I just had such a different birth experience with my son. But the preparation, 
all about preparation. Same thing with fighting, same thing with birth. It's just a different a different goal, different objective, different way to approach it, but the mind is so strong. I'm taking notes. Yeah, well, what a yeah. way what a way to start off this podcast. I know, right? Going I right didn't into that. that. I'm very passionate about this. Yeah. I can tell. I think someday like when when I'm really like kind of take that step back from from the fight world, you know, when I really kind of like retire, retire from from doing this kind of stuff as well, and I just kind of want to like disappear. Um, I want to be a doula. I think a birth doula. I just love em- the idea of empowering women. I've done it, you know, try to do it through fighting and whatnot, but like being a doula, like a birth support coach. So if and you ever, if yes. you guys ever, you know, get to that point, I will give you a call. Yes, one hundred percent. Well, I think she's training for the Olympics, so we would wait after twenty twenty four. Twenty twenty four for perfect. swimming. But uh, man, so you're you're teasing us though too because you just said you're never closing the door on retirement. You said that multiple times before. We know you're back at the gym, not far from here at Extreme Couture. Yeah, you're, you're getting back into this. Two children. Uh, what does the training regimen look like? What does the life of Misha Tate training MMA look like? So I'm training every day. I haven't sparred in a while, but well, a long time actually. But I have been training grappling. I've been training wrestling. I've been training a lot of mitt work. I do shadow box. I do, I mean, strength and conditioning. I definitely want to get back into competition shape. But I think um, right now I'm just geared towards uh, grappling. That's what I want to do. Like those should competitions, trail exactly. signs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when did you feel that fire come back to want to compete again? Yeah, I wanted to. Um, I knew I wanted to do grappling competitions even before I think I had my first, my daughter. Like I always knew I wanted to do that. Um, I did it. I did my first one and the only one since I retired against Jessica. I it was the submission underground, like one of his first couple of ones, and uh, loved it. I knew even at that point, and that was before I ever even, you know, kids were not even really a thought at that point yeah so so when you look at where mma is right now and getting back in there and seeing these girls it's obviously at a much different level now than it was when you were going through this uh what would you say is the biggest difference from the training partners that you see in the gym right now than maybe let's say five ten years ago um well there's more women there wasn't a lot of women when i started doing it and i think so I'm taking this jacket off as I'm talking. I think that um, it's important for women to have women training partners. It's important for them to, ha- I mean, it's good for them to have men training partners too, you know, because males are going to challenge you in a different way. Physically, they're a fa- bit faster, a bit more explosive, a bit stronger. But we don't fight men, we fight women. And I think it's important to be able to gauge yourself, you know. Sometimes I remember I would, um, you know, hit a takedown just perfectly. And my coach would be like, that was, that was beautiful you got in deep you did this great whatever the submission whatever it was you know but they were just stronger than you they just muscled you and that's not really like a good way to assess how you're doing you don't really know if you're not getting it but it's like if you're going up against another another woman um you know like you didn't do it right like get your shit together you didn't do it right if i didn't get that takedown there's no excuse it's not somebody that physically overpowering so anyways there's more women and obviously the evolution of the sport i think i think the things that were taught in the beginning some of them re- you realize like, oh, these don't actually work or there's better ways to do it. So I think uh, yeah, evolution, we're starting to see that in the game too. Like it just even in the UFC, like these new submissions, knockouts from the bottom. Come on now. I never would have been taught like when I first started doing this sport. Like I remember it was drilled into my head. Like if you're punching from the bottom, you're losing. Like you're wasting your time. Get up. Like you don't lay there and punch from the bottom. That's what you do when you you're too lazy or too tired or too beaten. You yeah. punch someone from the bottom. Tell that to Kevin Holland over exactly. I know. And what Nico Price too? Yeah. 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 So, well, yesterday David or the schmo, not yesterday, last week. Sorry, interviewed Dana White and about the women's division because if you look at the UFC rankings, which David loves to look at, the featherweight, the women's featherweight rankings, there aren't any. And obviously yeah. Amanda <laughs> is a champion. And then also they've been teasing could a Adam weight division, you know, open up in the UFC. Uh what do you think would be more likely, you know, to see like more women featherweights or does it make sense to have an Adam weight division in the UFC? 
Um, I would like to see more women featherweights, but I feel like they're already kind of absorbed and spread out. And it's all, it's a sparse division, let's be honest, you know. But then Bellator has the 145, so I feel like they've already kind of capitalized on that. And then over at the PFL, they're working on the, you know, the 155. So maybe some of the girls that could be 145. So I feel like they're already like all sucked into their organizations. Like maybe as their contracts expire, they could fill out that 145. But to answer your question, Adam White. I think Adam Waite would be a more promising. I think there's probably more women who are smaller like that and would be able to fight um, with a with a division with more depth than at 145. Could be wrong though. I don't. I don't know. That's just my my guess. I feel like Invicta has a good Adam yes. Waite division, right? So yeah. it's never really been an issue. I I don't feel like it's ever been an issue to fill Adam Waite where I feel like featherweight, even for you know for any company, is a little more difficult to fill out. Yeah, they've had this listed without any rankings, I think, for throughout at least all of 2020, from if not most of it, for right. sure. And there's just been no kind of movement with that. Yeah, well, they did just sign another uh, another 145 uh, female, forget it. From the Contender Series, Daniel Wolf. Yeah, yeah there Wolf. you go. So I'm not very I'm not very familiar with her yet. I think she's 5-1. I just looked her up, and um, so she has... Uh, yeah, she's the newest addition. But other than that, I think it's just really the, four women and some bantamweights that will dabble in the 145-pound division. I know you not too long ago talked to uh, Clarissa Shields, who's now moved over to Jackson Wing. She's training there, and I know she hasn't given up on boxing, and she might be probably, at her age group, the best boxer in the world uh, for females. Um, where do you see her fitting in in this whole MMA equation? How do you think she will do, and can you see... And envision her wearing a gold strap. Where does where's her commitment level? Oh, commitment level, commitment level wise, absolutely. Um, but really, we have the the only way that we'll be able to figure that out is by putting her in there. Look, I think that what I can tell you, what I do see from the outside perspective, um, is that she has good fight instincts and she's willing to work hard. So I think um, time is what it will take for her to get good. You know, just like anybody else transitioning over from another sport, right? You've got to learn learn and unlearn things about this new sport it is apples and oranges some of what she does in boxing will translate over well and some of it she'll have to like leave it like don't don't bring that into the game because it's not going to work well you know some boxers tend to dip their head off really far right it's not really good if you you know have to worry about getting kicked in the head and i think sometimes that's the most difficult thing is not even learning new things it's like unlearning old things right or the things that you've been doing that work well for boxing and she she does want to continue to play in both which i i get it but i think she should just focus on the one sport because i think when you start to divide your attention you know you you just it's going to be impossible to um really um evolve as fast in both but you know then again maybe you know i know in boxing maybe she could just uh, have a you know have opponents that are suitable maybe she's already run through all the best of them or she could maybe she's just that much better that she could still just kind of like not pay that much as much attention to boxing and she'll still you know kick ass but i think for her to really be great in mma there will come a point when she'll need to solely focus on that and learning yeah learning the game of mma we just spoke about danielle wolf which i wanted to mention she also has that boxing background and then of course with holly holm as well boxing transitioning into mma do you think that it'll be more common in the future and even for women uh, like women boxers to maybe transition into MMA? Yes, um, I, I certainly do. There's also Amanda Serrano, yes. who, right, she's fought a couple times in MMA. I think she decided to go back in boxing, but she's another one. I think she could have been very successful if she decided to kind of stick with that good fight instincts, willing to work hard. Seems like these women in boxing, they really... Um, they work really, really hard. Then they, they have a chip on their shoulder, like they still got something to prove. And I think that translates well, like if they want to, you know, be successful in MMA. But, you know, the downside of it, the on the flip side, is that it's such a small part of our sport. Just boxing is such a small part. And just boxing the way just boxers do boxing is even a smaller part of our sport. Like when we, when I, when I do boxing, I do it for MMA. I don't do it for boxing because like I said, I have to remember about getting kicked in the head. I have to like, remember small gloves. We can't cover like this. Not, 
not very well. I think maybe some fighters do that a little bit, but those tiny gloves, they slip right through. You know what I mean? So it's just different. Um, it's just a different sport. So there will be things that she probably is used to doing that just will not work for MMA. And that might be the, that might actually be her biggest challenge is to unlearn those things that are so ingrained in her through boxing to stop doing those. It's been a couple of years, I think two years. There was that big trade between one championship in the UFC when Ben Askren and DJ Demetrius Johnson were were switched. They they switched each other. A lot has been made with the conversation of Ben Askren, the UFC. Obviously, he spoke a lot. He's a very popular fighter. He had the Jorge Masvidal, the popular uh, knockout for, uh, with the with the knee to the head. But what's the other side of the equation? You know, you don't hear as much from DJ's uh, perspective coming to one championship. And with your involvement, I'd love to hear kind of your perspective from the DJ side of that trade, because we all hear a lot from the Ben Askren side. Yeah. Well, you guys should have DJ on your show. That would be awesome, right? We'll, we'll, we will have him on. Yeah. We'll there set you that go. Up. I don't want to speak for DJ. Um, I think he's happy. He seems like he's doing well. I know that um, the championship is on the horizon. That's the next fight for him. So, um, you know, he might be a, a champion in another division uh, or excuse me, another organization. But um he seems when I have talked to him before, he loves fighting in Asia. He likes the the um, the pride that they take in the sport and just kind of a different approach. Right. They're very humble, but but also very energetic. And he does love coming over and being a part of that. Um, I enjoyed being in Singapore. I, I enjoy working for one championship. I like the mission, you know, that, that it's to really change the world through the sport of MMA in a positive way. And, you know, not. You could bring your family to an event and not worry about, you know, something that you would bad influence on your children. Things flying out into the audience or like people jumping over cages or like fights breaking out. You know, it's just a different atmosphere. It's much cleaner. And I think also, you know, that that uh, you don't have to worry about putting your name on it if you're a big brand or a big company. Right. Because you know that the athletes are there and they're respectful. And like if they're not like they're gone, like we don't we don't mess around with that, you know, so. I don't know. I like I like that. I like that it's all about it, it's a lot largely in part of integrity, integrity, um, courage, all those great things that I don't know, I think make this sport a little bit more of a sport instead of a spectacle. And all the big UFC fighters, you know, the John Joneses, the Henry Cejudos, who we've talked to, they all talk about DJ. When you have that GOAT conversation, DJ is always Absolutely. in there. He's always in that conversation. And we were there at that's where we last saw you, I believe, in Tokyo, one century, when DJ last yeah. fought. Yes. Yep. Impressive. And what he's able to do and sustain his his excellence in all aspects of MMA, you know, from his grappling to his stand-up, it's just creativity. It's second to none. That's why people look at him pound for pound. He's always in that conversation. Yeah, he's definitely top three for me. Who's the other two? Um, I would say pound for pound, Amanda. Like, I yeah. really think she's, you know, that it's hard to argue otherwise. I And um, probably George St. Pierre. Yeah. GSP up, is up there for me. Um, I think Daniel Cormier is a part of the conversation. Obviously, John Jones, um, you know, that this little asterisk next to that because of the, the, you know, PED or whatever. But still like an amazing fighter. Um, yeah, those are those are a few of my tops. You mentioned GSP. Do you think that he would come back? And obviously, if Habib would come back and that fight would ever happen. Does Misha see that fight happening? Yes. I know. Um, I think it would take a lot for that to happen. I don't think so. And I think the reason why is because I think Khabib might have one more in him if he really wants to hit that 30-0 goal. But I think he may take some time to get there. And I think time is the enemy of George St. Pierre right now. I think if it takes Khabib another year before he convinces Mama Bear to support him in coming back, you know, GSP is still going to be interested at that point. What it's, you know, yeah, I mean, time is the, the, the enemy of all athletes. So I, I just I don't think at that time. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. But that's what my what, what I kind of look at this and break it down. I'm like, I don't, I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not even convinced that Khabib will come back. So we, first we got to get Khabib in the game. Then we got to get him on GSP as opposed to like whoever may potentially have his, his belt at that time, right? Dana seems pretty convinced that 
Habib's going to come back. And he's even gone as far as saying that if Conor beats Poirier, he can see Conor McGregor, Habib fighting a second time. Oh, man. Here we go again. Right? I mean, we'll see how Conor does this time. But Conor and Poirier is not going to be like the telltale of how he would do against Khabib a second time because they're completely different fighters. Um, I think it would probably be pretty similar, to be honest. It's the first first time. I wouldn't be so excited for that fight a second time around. What about Conor and Dustin, since this will be a rematch? I love that fight. I love it. I'm very excited for that fight. And I think, you know, uh, Poirier is definitely the more improved of the two. Um, that that I can tell because Conor doesn't fight very often. It's kind of difficult to, 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 to gauge sometimes. Had a great performance against Cowboy. But, you know, again, I think Dustin Poirier is on a different level right now. And his, uh, I think he's come into like his man body since it's like, since he fought. Uh, Connor the first time and also his defense is so much better I mean he used to just kind of like it was like arm height like joust move, joust move out like for every single thing that like anybody would throw anything that's like what he would do and now he's you know he's got so you know he counter punches he's got better footwork he's got better head movement he's just you know a way better fighter and he's willing to get in the fire fight which is risky I think against Connor too right because that that he he will um he doesn't worry about tucking his chin so much. You know, he's willing to just get in there and fight. Makes him exciting. That's why we love him. Like the Justin Gaethje fight. It's great. Like both of them fight, you know, all out. It's a little risky against Connor. I think Connor's got, uh, he does have a, a talent for finding the openings and finding the time. I think he hits hard, but I've seen Connor get rocked too. I saw Connor get a little stunned, a little bit hurt. I don't know if other people picked up on it, but with Khabib, I think it was a jab. I think Khabib hit him with a jab, and it just kind of like you saw it for a second that it kind of like, oh, he didn't quite have his feet under him like he did, you know, before he got hit with that jousting jab. So, you know, Connor's vulnerable to that too, and I think it, I could see that fight ending in a knockout, one way or the other, one way or the other. Yes, either way. And do we have a prediction who gets knocked out? Um, wouldn't that be crazy if Connor got knocked out? Mm. yeah what would that do for like his his uh bigger than life presence you know with people it's one thing when he gets choked out right because people still like oh okay well he got drugged to the ground and he got choked out but does he kind of get the striking expert the one who you know knocked out jose aldo in 13 seconds that you know guy who's been able to put a lot of a lot of guys away hurt a lot of guys i could see it happening in this fight though Wow. Well, I know that's 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 an explanation mark right there. I know you're running low on time. Um, I want to get you out of here on just a couple of quick few things. Sure. Who is the lightweight champion then? Let's say April first, twenty twenty one, in the UFC. If you had to guess, who would be who's holding the gold strap? Um. Oh, it at at the end of the year next year. Let's say four or five months down the line from now. Yeah, in twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. Okay. Who's holding the strap? Um, still Khabib because I don't think they'll strip him. I don't think they'll strip him in, in, yeah, in three or four months, even if he hasn't made a decision to come back. But if he was vacating, let's just play that a little deeper, right? Um, if he was to vacate and they were going to have an open belt, I think Dustin wins this fight. And then I think it will be Oliveira versus the winner of those. If Khabib's still not in the picture. Ooh. And no, I, I think I think Charles Oliveira, he's he's got I could see him being the champ. Yeah. I think his next fight is probably gonna be against Justin Gaethje. Yeah, that'd be a good fight, right? Yeah. So we'll have to see winner of that one. But I'm pretty I'm pretty high on, on Charles Oliveira. I've always been a fan of but man, what he did to Tony, and I think part of that Tony didn't really show up, so I don't wanna over credit Charles Oliveira, but Regardless, it's still not easy to pull off all those the things that he did in that fight. And this, it just still showed the tools he has in the tool bag. I don't think it was like a full Tony at all, like 50%, 60% of Tony. But I still got to see a lot of tricks of the trade. I'm like, man, he's he's a very skilled fighter. If he can pull that off against Tony, I think he could definitely do that against some of the, you know, the other guys in the division as well. Yes, definitely. So this is the episode where I'm releasing the Schmo Awards, and I have six Schmo Awards, and I just wanted to show this to you before you left, because this first award I'm showing is the Schmo Team of the Year, and 
I'm going to be giving this over to to your team. It's going to be for Eric Nixick and Extreme oh, Couture. That's beautiful. Can I hold team. it? Of course you can. All right. That is beautiful. He d he doesn't know. He doesn't know. I'm going <laughs> to bring it over to, to the gym. See it. You're the first to see it. <laughs> and I mean, there's a lot of great gyms that could deserve this award. The, you know, the Sanford MMAs, the City Kickboxing, American Top, American team. Top Team, Elevation. But this is a little different because we firsthand saw what your gym has been doing, bringing in fighters from all over, like, you know, all the organizations that shut down early in the year, the PFL, Bellator, every every single organization has had some sort of hiatus, but everybody started funneling in here to Las Vegas, not just UFC fighters, and because between Vegas and obviously Abu Dhabi for UFC fighters, right. this became like a hub. I've seen them wa welcome so many different fighters from so many different gyms, different sparring partners, and just welcome like family and still keep the lights on, keep open. And for that reason, that's the team of the year. I love that. That's definitely, we're very open gym policy, yes. open door policy. And um, remember when I was here, my goal was to really create like a strong foundation for a women's team. And then I, I left and it felt like it kind of, I don't know, dissipated. I don't want to credit all myself for it, you know, but like Emily went, uh, Emily Whitmire was there. She went somewhere else. Gina Manzani, she recently left with, you know, with her fiance. Um, you know, then we had like uh, Cheyenne, she went over to, uh, she just got on the Contender Series, right? So yeah. she just got signed, but she was over in um, Africa. She might like met her fiance and her husband there. They moved that. back. Yeah, they moved back here. So then she's going to have her debut. But these were all women who were like really a part of the foundation. Um, I'd like to build it again. I know Sarah Mraz is there training, um, and uh, Taylor uh, Guardado. I think if I'm saying her last name right, she's the one that like fought Ronda as an amateur that Ronda was like always really complimentary of. And um, there's a couple other women that that funnel through there, but not focusing just on the women. But what you're saying, absolutely true. I remember when I had that conversation with Eric, I was like, hey, I really want to get more women in here, and and he's like, do it. He's like, get it, build it, you know. And so. I know he's always on the same page with that very open door. And we have, we have Francis and Gano coming in and all that stuff all the time now, too. So, yeah, it's good stuff. I know Usman was there. Gaethje was yeah, there, too. I, I got to actually snap a picture with, with uh, Usman and Gaethje when they were here. I was in that week as well. So Everybody. Well, Misha, we really appreciate your yeah, time. Thank you. I know you have a family yes. and everything to get to. Welcome and back to Vegas. Thank Thanks. You. I appreciate it, you guys. All right. Take care. Take care, Misha. Happy New Year. Happy New you Year. You, too. All right, so everybody, uh, let me just show you what the Schmo Awards look like here. We'll zoom in here. This is what we were holding in case you didn't get a good look and you're watching the podcast from YouTube. Here they are, nice and glass uh, engraved here. And this is the first inaugural Schmo Awards right here. So let me go ahead and read off the other winners and what these categories are for you because um, I'm going to have to find a way to hand-deliver all of these awards to all the fighters. So, momentum of the year, it's going to Kevin Holland. I mean, what else can you say about the guy? He's won five fights in 2020. No other fighters won five fights in 2020. Kevin Holland's the one to do it. He's got the momentum become a, becoming a top 10 UFC middleweight this year. Call Big Mouth. Hey, now he's got a fight with Derek Brunson in March. Let's go. Kevin Holland. He is Schmomentum of the Year 2020. The Schmoist interview of the year. I mean, this is a no-brainer. If you go on the Schmo's YouTube channel, you see which one it is. It's Yoel Romero. It was actually last year, um, beginning of February, last week of January. It was at the Super Bowl. Yoel Romero. La Candela. La Candela. What he's danced. We did the salsa dance. Um, that Mohad guy who's really popular, who does all the animation videos. He ripped off that video. No credit. It's okay. I still love you, Mohad. I just announced uh, Schmo Team of the Year, Extreme Couture. I gave those reasons for it. It's a little bit different, but basically providing opportunity. I, I love opportunity. Can't deny it. The most Schmo performer of the year is Brandon Raw Dog Roy Val. I mean, this guy, beginning of the year, he wasn't in the UFC. Uh, he was literally working part-time as a security guard 
for prisons. He was a part-time security guard. And this guy started winning, gaining momentum at the UFC flyweight division, all the way up to a top six in the UFC flyweight division. Getting fights, getting momentum, huge victory, and a great fight. Walt last against Kaikara France and over there. We were there at Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. And then he obviously lost his most recent fight. Um, you know, he pulled out his shoulder out of the socket. He will be back. He goes from being a schmo, security guard guy, fighter, part-time, to now full-time UFC fighter. Probably going to be fighting for the flyweight championship, I imagine, probably in 2021. Congratulations, Raw Dog. The Schmo's Fight of the Year, Wiley Zhang or Zong Weili. Zong Weili. Helen knows it. You got it, the traditional Chinese against Joanna Young Jacek. That's, if that's not your fight of the year, I don't know what is. I mean, that's arguably the fight of the century, one of the best fights in UFC history. That is the fight of the year, and it's a fight I would like to see run back. I mean, we're going to be running back Brandon Moreno and uh, the champ Davidson Figueredo. I mean, that to me is the second best fight of the year. We're running that one back. If uh, Rose doesn't take that fight, I think you uh, you run back Zong Weili and uh, Yoanny and Jacek. I would love to see that. But that's that's the Schmo fight of the year. And then the breakthrough Schmo of the year, the breakthrough Schmo of the year is Hamzat Chemaev. I mean, look at the guy. Look at the guy. <laughs> even, at the even, guy. When, even when he speaks, when we had that interview over there in Abu Dhabi. He wants to smash everybody. He wants to smash everybody. I know he's out of this fight with Leon Edwards. They will rebook the fight. They will make it happen. Third time's the charm. Hopefully there's no jinx like the Tony Ferguson Habib six times. I might have just said something. I'm sorry. The schmo broke news last week with Dana White as well because... No Hamzat versus Leon, but what did Dana tell the schmo? Yes, it's Neil Magny, Michael Chiesa. That goes from co-main to the main event of the January 20th fight. And uh, that is the 2020 Schmo Awards. I love it. They look beautiful. Hey, they're well Wait, done. am I allowed to hold it? Yeah, hold, Me, the, hold the presentation. Misha was the first to hold it. She was the first to hold it. Yeah, that's the presentation Even, for it. Look, so, oh, wrong camera, of course. Wow, it's so beautiful. Well, there it is. Great well, job with this. Now I have to hand deliver these to every single fighter. Literally um, hand deliver. He's going to walk there. Well, <laughs> uh, or travel there. We'll make it happen one way or another. We have to. But yeah, that's the 2020 Schmo Awards. I love it. Great job with it. And I can't wait for this to become an annual tradition. Has to be. So Misha was great. I... I know. She's so awesome. So nice. And I even told her after behind the scenes, I said, good to know in the future when I'm about to give birth, you're on speed dial. Yeah, but uh, I wonder how many of the females listening she influenced to be doing these natural births. You know, no pain medication. Or I know. Like even, that. even for me, it got me thinking and not to scare you <laughs> because I, I know you're rolling your eyes, but I can't believe already 2021 and going back to Fight Island, our fourth time back. Yeah. And super grateful. And for those that don't know, you know, we get COVID tested here, quarantined here for 48 hours before we get on the plane to go over there in Abu Dhabi. They make sure that we're all safe. Uh, they're in their hazmat suits. They spray us all down. We go to the hotel there. We quarantine for another 48 hours, take two tests there within 48 hours, and then uh, we are officially in the bubble. This time we're there for 15 days, or it's 15 nights, one of the two. Yeah. Uh, the 8th, January 8th through the 24th. Yes. We have three fights in a week. You know, that Saturday, uh, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. Yes. Wow. It's it's incredible. I can't wait. Gonna be nonstop, and I'm so ready for it. I'm so excited. Main event to kick things off will be Max Calvin Holloway Cater. and Calvin Cater. Such a great fight! Oh my gosh! Like, I I'm just thinking about every division, right, and all the exciting fights that either are already rumored, are made, or could be made. But speaking of that, and let's just, I just, because we said it, I just want to think, thinking about that division, you know, you have the champ, Alex Volkanovsky, you have Max Holloway, who a lot of people still would want to see a third fight between Max Holloway and Volkanovsky because they question, you know, the results of maybe not the first fight, but the second fight, the winner of that, um, you can argue that the winner of this Max Holloway and Calvin Cater fight could be fighting for the title, but then that had me thinking, Zabit. You know, obviously, True. Zabit and Yair Rodriguez, everybody, if you're a real fight fan, you wanted to see that fight. I want to see that fight. That's a fantastic fight. But um, 
for a lot of reasons that we can't control. That exactly. fight's not happening. So I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see. Because Yair's suspended. What happens with Zabit? Who does he fight next? You know, because Kelvin Cater and him had a great fight, but imagine if that fight was five rounds because it was three and it was in Russia. But uh, it's fantastic because Calvin uh, was getting stronger throughout the fight. Zabit had him uh, pretty handily early on. And then as that fight went on, it looked like Calvin was getting his win back and he was starting to win that fight. And it's just interesting to see how that division, the featherweight division, will play out. Exactly. And even looking at Brian Ortega, oh, yes. his performance yes. against Korean Zombie, yeah, so, like, so amazing. Om- omit what I said about winner of Holloway and uh, Calvin Cater because I literally ignored Ortega, who maybe I didn't because Ortega obviously deserves to be fighting Volkanovski oh. for the title fight. Was it because he got mad at you or mad at the schmo during that interview? See, okay, let, let's clear up that <laughs> misconception because it wasn't that he was mad at me. We have a good rapport, especially I know. Tiki. I'm kidding. Okay. Tiki, or uh, should I call him... Khalil. Khalil. Uh, Tiki, a former UFC fighter yeah. uh, and his manager, we have all we all have a great relationship. So we were playing more than anything. And sure, they were messing with me and I was messing with them back. But honestly, if people don't see that that's what I love in this character by playing the schmo, then they really don't truly really get it. And I love the banter. I love that. I love being put on the spot because... I'm putting people on the spot, and yeah. if you can't handle the heat, stay out of the kitchen, and that goes for a lot of things in life. But specifically, uh, when it comes to creating content and when it comes to covering the sport, I firmly believe that. If you don't schmo, now you schmo. There it is. <laughs> there it is. If you don't schmo, now you schmo. No, crediting Dana White, of course, if you don't know. Yeah. Now you know. So now we have this new year, Helen. So did you ever? Did you end up telling the audience what your uh, New Year's resolution was and uh, what you're no. doing this year? differently than last year well 2021 i'm hoping to finally be able to return to swimming finally i i thought it was going to be 2020 so when you say return to swimming that is competition yes to just competition. to clarify so, for the audience but, but here's the thing because so in 2020 because majority of the time you know all the pools closed down you know that and in the beginning remember when i gained quite a few pounds during the beginning of the lockdown and stuff and yeah. i would go hide and eat donuts while you were doing p90x <laughs> that was the truth i would text the photos to my sister and cookies <laughs> helen would leave the house to go to the grocery store with that her was mask like the only thing open or somewhere and she would get Cravings. like a box of donuts and she would eat them in her car yeah then throw away the evidence you always have to do that and if you have air freshener or scent like just spray that all around in your car but anyway so that was while i was still enjoying the pre getting back into athletic shape life which for 12 years i literally like did not work out i think only a handful of times i would just walk that was my workout and um so then in the summer that's when we got the trainer and the pools were open but I wasn't able to train much and it it was like I only trained with the coach for like two weeks then we went back to Fight Island and they actually they have a nice pool there but I would say 2020 I just got back in the pool because I'm not really I'm not doing any sets I'm not being coached by anyone except my strength trainer but that's different than a swim coach and I'm only allowed a certain amount of time every day to swim at the pool. So it's just been like trying to literally get my feet wet again, just feel my strokes again. Um, But I hope in 2021, I'm able to truly make that comeback in swimming, truly be able to swim and train like full time, uh, which I wasn't able to do in 2020. And so my return, I thought it would be in 2020, but it will be in 2021. And my message to you is I love how hard you are on yourself, but hey, appreciate the blessings and appreciate the milestones. We were just in Dana White's office the other day after we interviewed him or the Schmo interviewed him, and he was looking at your physique and he was complimenting you and he was telling you how great your body's looked and how impressive it is that you're getting back into swimming. So appreciate what you have going for you. And you do have time, and I know you're working hard, and it will get done and at least have the mental uh, wherewithal to appreciate where you are now and where you're going to be. 
I am very appreciative. And of course, I appreciate you, David Schmollinson. But it's just I'm very hard on myself because I think a lot of it is being a an athlete when I was a child. And I, I hate to sound like not conceited, but I would win a lot. I would get first place a lot. And my expectations for myself was like, okay, for example, when I was super young, if I didn't qualify for Olympic trials, like I wanted to qualify when I was 16 years old. Like that was my goal to qualify before I turned 16 years old. And of course, like ended up not happening because, you know, I quit swimming year round when I was 14. So, but my dreams were always like I set huge goals at a very, very young age. So now when I'm even getting back into swimming now, I'm like, you know what? There's no way I'm not faster than myself when I was like 12 or 14. You know, I know I was fast for a 12 or 14 year old back then, but it's like I'm much stronger now, you know, so I'm, I'm just very hard on myself because I'm used to setting goals in time frames, like short term goals, long term goals, and then competing obviously and reaching them and and it's because I mean I am getting a lot of support for my return back into swimming which I really appreciate and my Olympic trial goals and those are very high goals and I'm aware of that but I want to make sure for me I'm putting one million percent of effort into it and I I don't want to just be someone that talks like oh yeah I I'm going or I want to compete in the Olympic trials. No, I, I want to make sure I put all that effort in. For sure. And and that's what you and I obviously have in common. It's let the action speak louder yes. than words and just, you know, let the performance show. You know, we don't have to say what we're doing. Let people see what we're doing. Yes. And those actions will speak for themselves. Absolutely. Like like you mentioned, that's why we get along really well, and I'm just I'm grateful again for all the continued support, whether it's with the Schmo Zone, right? Whether it's on the broadcasting side or my return into athletics, into competing. Um, so yeah, that's probably my major goal of 2021, just to be able to compete again, to also do more interviews in Mandarin. You know, I always have to talk to my mom in Mandarin to work on that for sure, and then. For me, for 2021, obviously this depends on the situation with this pandemic, how it evolves. But you know this. I want to get back into doing the Schmo versus the Pro and the competition stuff with the athletes. You know, I, 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 I do see... I don't read the comments as much as you or definitely don't respond to that them. That means you do read them. Yeah, but, you know... Uh, Occasionally, occasionally, but I just, I know how that resides with people and I know it's different and it's something that I've always envisioned when I created this character would be a strong suit of the brand and I've been able to dabble with it and show it here and there, but not as consistently as I like. And I think if I show more of that competition stuff, um, it would be fun. Because not course. the schmo's not meant to always win, but he's certainly not meant to always lose. And I think it'll be entertaining. I also have to add, so my eight-year-old nephew was in town. This is the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I have seen some cute stuff in my life, but my eight-year-old nephew, we go to my parents' place where he's at. He's visiting from the East Coast. And... So he types into YouTube and I don't know, maybe I'm just like way older now that I forget, okay, eight year old eight year olds are old enough to like type into YouTube already. But he types in the schmo and it auto populates because he thought it was spelled S H M O. But like the schmo, you know, comes up on YouTube search. And he watches the schmo versus the pro, because he is a big fan of yours. On YouTube, it was a Kubrat Pulev episode. If you haven't seen it, check it out. And so we go downstairs and he's upstairs watching and I can hear him laugh so hard. And I've I've been around him a lot. I've never heard him like literally laugh his ass off. It's the cutest thing. I'd run upstairs and film it. And so my point is the schmo versus the pro, like that not only did it melt my heart, but it showed me like the also why you created the schmo you know, hashtag for the kids, right? Yep. 
I, that was reinvigorating to watch. You know, I think he took a quick little snippet video of it. Yeah. And then I watched it just to see his reaction. And that just reminded me of the roots of why this was all created and why I started doing that. And I definitely want to get back into that. And I've said this to you before, too. It's like, look, I'll t- and with that Kubrat Pulev <laughs> video, who, uh, you know, he was just recently knocked out by Joshua. But, hey, he was fighting for all the belts, right? I mean, he was the the number one guy. He was the title eliminator. He was, he was the guy uh, fighting for the title. He's one of the top heavyweights in the world. Um, I took some body shots from him. You know, I, I don't mind taking the damage as long as it's not to the brain. If we do this type of stuff, which is fun, which reminds me of the time uh, Steve Ace coach at UFC 252 during the second fight with Daniel Cormier in Anaheim. Sorry, it's UFC 241. 241 in Anaheim, Stipe versus DC2. Uh, he went up behind me. I might have said this before, but if you're listening for the first time and you haven't heard this story, uh, he thought I was, at the time, his manager, Jim, and who had trained at Strong Style uh, at their gym in Ohio. He, was, he went up behind me and gave me a nice liver shot just for fun, uh, Mar- Coach Marcus Marinelli. And, uh, yeah, and then when he realized when I turned around and it wasn't Jim, he's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I'm laughing there, but I kind of laughed because I kind of lost my wind a little bit because I got punched I know in the liver. You did. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> Weren't you crying too? I was not crying, I'm but I'm kidding. like, all right, that's what it feels like when you're I- not expecting it. I, when you're not expecting it, when the guy's not in front of you and he does it from behind, okay, this is what the liver shot feels like from behind, okay. <laughs> but it was cool. It was cool. Uh, you, you can't you, not. I by the way, Marcus, amazing coach, no hard feelings. Yeah, we're we're looking forward to Stepe versus Francis too. Yes, we're looking forward to that in March, probably not official. Yeah, yet. rumored. Rumored. You know, I, I when I interviewed Dana, you have to really focus on what you're gonna say. And you can't just like leave it open ended. You got to be specific, and you have to ask good questions. You know, like you always ask him good questions. Well, I feel like if I don't, I'm letting not just myself down, but I'm letting everybody else down. That interview literally blew up, and I'm so proud. Thank you, thank you. Well, uh, you filmed it. You were in the room, Eat. and uh, and you uh, you knew the questions, or you know, I had to practice what I was going to go through, visualize, and you're the person I practice with. I know, and go over the questions with, and you know. Share ideas, of course. But I would definitely want to thank uh, today's sponsors for the show, Sheath Underwear. I think uh, that our guest, Misha Tate, is really going to like it. So uh, They're so comfortable. They're great. I wear them every time. Look, I wear them every single me day. Me too. I never thought, and I'm not just saying this, like I literally mean it, like the most comfortable, soft underwear. And I said this to you from the very beginning. Uh, if we're going to work with brands or any sponsors, I'm not going to use, I'm not going to talk about anything I'm not going to personally use. I'm not going to vouch for it. So like I wear these underwear all the time. I'm going to vouch for it, that type of stuff. And also want to thank, obviously, Fusion CBD Water, like CBD, important part of our training for our recovery. Definitely use it. And I like their products and I enjoy it. So I want to thank our sponsors for the show. And do you have any final thoughts for this first episode of 2021? Just thank you guys for all your continued support. Um, We greatly appreciate it. And stay tuned because a lot of big things, and I think I prefaced this at the end of our last episode, just a lot of big things coming in 2021. You know Dave and I, or David and I, we never stop. Our minds never sleep. We're always turning, always thinking, how can we improve? How can we do more? How can we do better? So make sure you stay tuned. Yes, a lot of big things to come. If you're not improving, are you living? And that's kind of the a mantra, one of the mantras that I, we live by and expect big things in 2021. Yes. How can we outdo last year? And we will. We always find a way. Yes, where there is will, there's always a way. And this has been episode number 49 of the Schmozone podcast. We are out. Mm-hmm.